This is Life Change Church, Muskegon. What are you doing while you listen? Driving, mowing the lawn, folding the laundry, multitasking? We're so glad you're here. Subscribe and share this weekly podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, on iTunes, or at mylifechangechurch.tv. Join us in person Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11.30, or catch us on Facebook Live. Here's Pastor Ron Rands. Well, today's message is basically called Baptism of Change. Um, I actually had a different message prepared, and then uh, I was talking to Pastor Jenna, and there was a, a, a few um, uh, just uh, phone calls and, and questionnaire about uh, baptism, and, and I think there's some there, I think there's some difficulty in understanding that there are parents out there that just really want the best for their kids, which is wonderful, but there's a difference between child dedication and baptism. Baptism, a water baptism, which is going to be our services next week, that's about that child or that should be that person where they can make their own decision for Jesus Christ. And yet, as that child is growing up, according to Scripture, they are sanctified by the believing parent. And we're going to talk about that in a few more minutes. But before we do that, I want to just talk to you about that. All of us should be going in baptisms of change. Every one of us face changes, whether it's work-related, whether it's going on governmentally related, whether it's going on whether you're getting married. Um, I, you know, I just have time to be with people getting married, and that's going to be a change. Or whether it's coming to having children. There's always all kinds of people in this church family having children. Every single time those spaces come on, there's really change. Now, many of us, we, what we try to do is we got to get prepared for those changes in life. But a lot of times it's mentally and socially um, we work through that. But we really lack the understanding that every change that God brings us through is about trusting him more. That's really what the whole thing's about. I mean, this life, when Jesus says it, when I come down here, will I find faith? What he was saying is, is Jesus, if he were to come and visit your life, would he see trust inside of you? And I know that in, in my own life, I've gone through some things. I'm like, why is it that the Lord is bringing me through this space of thought? Why is it he asked me? And then, and then even with times where people would actually be, you know, would be boisterous or even critical of some of the decisions that I would make. And yet I would still feel affirmed that this is what God was asking me to do. And sometimes those, those life choices were temporary and they were hard. But what happened is in the space of those moments, I learned to trust God in ways I never knew. Do you know God as your lawyer? I do. Do you know God as your healer? As your doctor? I do. Do you know God as your marriage counselor? I'm sorry to say I do. <laughs> do you know God as the God that teaches you about parenting? Because he's the greatest. I mean, there's no better parent to learn from than God as a parent in the word of God. Do you know God as a grandparent? I'm learning. Do you know God is shepherding the flock? I'm learning. I mean, these are the things and spaces where we get, you know, we don't just go through and do's and don'ts. That's not what the word of God is. What the word of God is is that we go through life and we learn to trust God. We learn to trust him. Because see, that trust is literally going to be the weight and the balance of eternity. Because see, without trust, heaven doesn't operate. In fact, where it can't be trusted, we know from history 
that Lucifer couldn't be trusted and one third of God's perfect created angels couldn't be trusted and had to get kicked out of heaven. And we also know from history with Adam and Eve that God created this perfect space of time and these perfect people within a perfect garden and because of what happened in that space of that garden, they didn't tend and keep that garden. We also know that God says, look, I can't trust you with this garden. I'll trust you outside this garden, but I can't trust you in this garden. And so everything in life is literally centered on, do we trust? Do we really trust? And we'll go through events in our life that are heartbreaking. We'll go through spaces of moment in our life where we're going, what is going on? But are you trusting yourself? Are you leaning to your own understanding? The Bible says in this way, lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him. See, that's what I've learned. So God will bring spaces of things in your life that you just, just don't make any sense. It's heartbreaking so that you don't lean to your own understanding because see, many of us can lean into patterns. We can lean into family. We can lean into things. But God says, will you lean into me? Will you lean into me? Your prayers will change. Your heart will change. You'll learn about spaces of who God is. And then your life becomes a testimony to share with others to show who he is in and through your life. So the message today is called Baptism of Change. Now, you know, Jesus went in this space of time, being perfect, walking the face of the earth for 30 years. Here's this perfect Jesus. And he has these siblings that are struggling. I don't know about you, but if I had a perfect sibling, I'd struggle. I'd want to knock them right off that throne, wouldn't you? Because they did everything right. Their responses were always right. Everything. And then he's the oldest of all. And so here's Jesus in that place. And what happens is that his siblings struggle with it. In fact, you can read it through time. His siblings struggle with it. His own mother struggles. And wants to bring Jesus back to the way he always was. See, and every time you make a change, when you begin to trust God, when you begin to know God in a new area that you didn't know him before it's those closest to you even though a lot of times they mean well those closest to you many times want to pull you back to the where you were and even though God's trying to build you a faith to show him who he is and show them that he's greater than you always ever ever known him before great is he to be praised they want to pull you back even Jesus own family did this and so when Jesus was presented with a space of thought to get baptized, water baptism. You think, well, see, the baptism of John was always the baptism of repentance. So why, why would Jesus ever get water baptized? Why would he go through that notion of mo, in motion of life? He never did anything wrong. It was a baptism of repentance. Well, see, many times what we really look at is we think repentance is always associated with sin. It's not. If God wants me to go from faith to faith, he says, look, I love the faith that you're in, Pastor Ron, right now, but I want you to even have greater faith. I want you to, I know you're trusting me in this area, but I want to take that area and even build upon it and be, have even more trust. And then I want to show you another area that you have no idea who I am, and I want to start building trust in that space. Going from faith to faith. That would be what we would call in the spirit realm a baptism of change. A baptism of change. And Jesus had to go through that space. So he went through this, what we call an outward sign. That's what water baptism is. It's an outward sign of an inward faith. 
That's why it's so important for a, a person who's going to get baptized to be able to know, what are you doing? He says, well, I'm, I'm, I'm showing the world what I really know inside. And I want to show the world. I want to witness who Jesus is in my life. And so here we are. In fact, if you would turn with me to Matthew chapter 3. And uh, I want to just, I, hopefully I can just, you know, share and maybe clear up some things that probably we are so sometimes religiously attached to and maybe some of the clutter, I think, of traditions and, uh, and, and recognize that God always wants us to change. And that change is associated with so that we can trust him more. Matthew 3, verse 15, here's Jesus. Jesus replied, talking about water baptism, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that very moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Jesus, going through this water going through this baptism of change. In fact, the scripture alludes to, he says, he was no longer known as the son of Joseph or the son of man, but he's known as the son of God. Do you know that, that many of us, we, we really know ourselves by our last name and we know ourselves basically maybe our education or those we affiliate with or the things that we work or things that we've purchased. But do you know yourself as a son or daughter of God? Would you feel awkward, you know, introducing, I'm a son of God. I mean, that, kind of, that would be kind of weird, wouldn't it? But that's God's association. And the Bible says, Paul said this, he goes, look, from this time forward, I know no man in the flesh, which means I don't really care about your last name or your earthly situation. Not that I want to belittle that, but I want to know you in Christ. And the only way I can know you in Christ is if there's fruits of Christ Produce it in your life. Change. Isaiah chapter 119 and 20 says this way, if you are willing and obedient, you'll eat the best of the land. But if you resist and rebel, you'll be devoured by the sword for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Are you willing and obedient no matter what God asks? We're gonna go through and say, yeah, I am. Well, let's go through some scenarios. I mean, I think Jonah fought it. I think Abraham struggled with it. I think Noah struggled with it. I think all of, I mean, if we really realize these historical lessons that there was a struggle, there was a resistance at first in this space, but then the trust was greater than the resistance. Could that be the same thing with maybe you're having sickness, you have symptoms of sickness that you know, but Jesus, Jehovah Rapha, he's your healer. Could it be that the symptoms grab hold of you bring resistance for you to believe that Jehovah Rapha is your healer? Could it be that, I mean, any different than it would be Noah, you know, for a hundred years hitting another nail on a board and, you know, and, and seeing a flood that's going to come? Could there be resistance? It's not, listen to me, just because there's resistance to your faith doesn't mean you don't have faith. In fact, it literally shows that you have faith. There's going to be resistance in it. And some of us, what's happened is just because you have a thought of resistance toward your faith, all of a sudden you start feeling shame and guilt. Stop it. 
Every single brother and sister in Christ that's done anything great in God, has baptism changed, has always had to fight through that resistance. In your study guide, number one, change or adjustments are necessary to connect with God's best. How many of you want God's best in your life? Change and adjustments are necessary to receive God's best. You go from faith to faith. You go from glory to glory. The world goes from sin to sin. Lie to greater lies. I mean, but we go from faith, trust, to greater trust. Number two, some examples of adjustments that shape God's plan for man. I've already kind of mentioned them, but let's just, you know, real quickly here. Noah building a ship on dry ground. That'd be taking a big adjustment. It's never rained before, you know? And uh, you're talking and you're gonna say it's gonna pour. Jonah had to let go of prejudice to touch a city. He hated the Ninevites. He had to let go and says, God says, I'm gonna send a person who hates these people to be the message of salvation to these people. Peter had to leave his fishing career to fulfill God's plan. Are you ready to, I mean, would you be willing to leave your career if God says so? Would you be willing to leave, what would you be willing to let go of because God asked you to go? Saul had to let go of his Bible training because he had all, he's, he's the most educated by the best educated and he had to let go of all of it just so that he could have a relationship with Jesus. We're not talking about being someone who was called in the ministry. He had to let go of all of it just so he could have a relationship with Jesus Christ. David had to leave his sheep to become a king. Rahab had to leave being, I'm the black sheep, to being the savior of the family. There may be some people in this room right now feel like they're the black sheep of the family. Rahab was the black sheep of the family and literally became the savior of her whole family. Genesis 22, verse 11, 12, probably one of the, the, one of the biggest passages that talks about the greatest test other than Jesus, Abraham. But the angel of the Lord called out to him, this is Abraham ready to, you know, literally take a knife to his own son, Isaac. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied, do not lay a hand on that boy. He said, do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your only son. What, do you capture that? Not only is this a test of faith, but it's a test of what you're withholding. Don't tell me, take, let me tell you something. I heard this one pastor say this, one of the funniest things. You want to see a man grab his wallet, ask for an offering. Because it's what happens. I mean, it's interesting. It's like, uh, 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 you know, and so in what happens so many other times, we're a people that are withholding. In this passage, here's Abraham who's given up so much. He's sojourned over a land. He's had to go through so many things, even through with his own wife being taken from him. And he's had to go through all these tasks, and yet still here in this elderly age of his life, God says, now I see through the next faith test in your life, you won't withhold this. What am I withholding from God? What are you withholding from God? What is it that God's asking me to have a bat, to be immersed into a change? Personally, I'm in, the, in this very space in my own life. And I'm asking God, what is it, God? 
Genesis 32, Jacob struggling going back. He's going to be on his way back to a, a, a brother that hates him. He's fearful for his life. So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it's daybreak. Now, I don't know if you know anything about wrestling. I used to wrestle in school. No one can wrestle that long. (laughs) It's physically impossible. There's no way. You got just these couple minute intervals and you are exhausted at it, in the done of it. This man is wrestling with God all night. Only God could give him strength to wrestle with God. Do you see the dilemma there? God has given him, God has given you the strength to wrestle the things that God wants you to have in your life. Nothing comes easy. The Bible says the kingdom of heaven suffered violent and the violent take it by force. You will need to engage everything that God has, but there's going to always be met with resistance. It will always be bad. And here's Jacob, he's wrestling with God, and we want to just have God like the candy man. Everything just cans out, comes out real easy. That's not how it is. Here's this man being filled with God, wrestling with God. And the man asked him, what is your name, Jacob? He answered. Then the man says, your name will no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with man, and you've overcome. Number three, your life change is not someone else's responsibility. I know that we live in a, time right now we, we, we blame the spouse we blame the ex we blame the church I know I get my receipts of blame and I'm sure there are things that, that are really real we blame God we blame the government we blame our schooling and yet did we not learn from the very beginning stop blaming Adam blamed Eve, Eve blamed serpent. Serpent didn't have anybody else to blame. <laughs> Do you understand? I mean, did we not learn from the, in the beginning that you know what, we have to take responsibility, we have to own? I am a sinner. You are a sinner. And that's what's so beautiful is the cross came here because you are a, is it hard to say? I don't know, just, <laughs> I'm trying to help you, okay? Okay, you are a sinner. All right, let me tell you something. But that's not how God sees you. Because of the cross. The cross is how Christ sees you. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God all of a sudden has a different perspective. He sees you through the eyes of grace. He puts on these new lenses and they're called grace. And he sees so much potential. He sees so much gifting. He sees the reason that you were born to be in this world. That's his whole purpose. But yet, many of us think that, you know what, um, it's somebody else's responsibility. Number four, we think change is going to come without a cost. It doesn't. Jesus didn't even bring change into his own life without going through the cost of baptism. There was cost in even some of the relationships that were strained. How can you, can you imagine hearing all the hearsay and, and some of us, we, we want to stop testifying how great God is just because we get a few stones thrown at us. Jesus had his own brothers and sisters and his own mother literally thinking he was crazy for a season. 
And then what about when he, he had, who, who hears, you know, Lazarus, who's a person who is one of his greatest friends. And God tells him, God tests him and says, don't go now. And you know what was accused of Jesus? He says, oh, he loves, the, he loves all the strangers, but he doesn't give a rip about his friends. Another stone. And yet Jesus had to stay the course. It's not what man says. It's really what God says. And he needed to obey the voice of God. There's always going to come at a cost. And sometimes the cost is what other people think of you. Cost might be what other people say things about you, feel about you. Are you willing to pay that price? Because it's really what's most important is what God brings you through. God's not looking for you to be someone who's heroic to the world. He's looking for you. Will you trust what he says? Will you be willing and obedient and eat what God speaks and brings into your life? Our world is great at painting fantasies, selling products, that will make you look better, feel better. We have temporary jobs, temporary relationships, temporary lifestyles, and we wonder why nothing permanent happens in our lives. Romans 12, 1 says it this way, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you dress. Is that what it says? Changing the way your occupation. Changing who you're married to. What does it say? Changing the way, it's changing the way your spouse thinks. It's changing the way, come on, say it with me. You think. Is it not up there? It's supposed to be up there. <laughs> no wonder y'all looking at me like sheep that never saw it before. It said, don't copy the behavior and custom of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. You need to think the way God thinks about you. You need to think about it. Let me just tell you something. If, if you struggle with that, then you're telling me that I'm the God of your, you know, you're, the, you're God of your own life. If I think differently the way God thinks of me, then I'm the master of my own life. Or I can literally surrender. I love how Pastor Jenna did that to this in prayer. So I can surrender and say, Lord, doesn't it matter how rotten my week was? It really matters about what you see. And Satan, all he does is work with the past because that's all he's got. But what does God do? I give you a future and a hope. Your thoughts should be about the future and the hope. Why are you stuck in the the past. Why are you stuck there? God's not stuck there. You're supposed to be about the future and hope. Number five, a decision to follow God's plan for my life has action steps. There are, here's just a one. Next week, we're going to be about baptism. If you know that you are saved, you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you've accepted him, and you have not been water baptized, why not? <laughs> Why not? Why not make that awesome decision to show the world your inward faith? There are decisions about giving. There's decisions about worship. There's decisions about forgiving. Prayer, serving, trusting God. We've already went through. Leading, 
witnessing, testifying. And then one more decision we're going to talk about just real briefly in closing, baptism. Baptism, number six. Baptism of water is an outward sign of an inward trust of Jesus Christ. It's just an outward sign of an inward trust. It's a surrender. In Romans chapter six, have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by his glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Baptism is a baptism in its place of change. If you've not had that opportunity, I'd, you know what, I hear the Lord knocking. I hear the Lord knocking on your heart. Again, it's up to you to make the change. I'm not gonna go over there. I don't guilt people into that. God doesn't guilt people into making decisions. He convicts people, but he doesn't guilt people. It's an opportunity. Isaiah 119, we started out, the willing and obedient will eat the good of the land. Now, I am not here to say that when you make those choices that all of a sudden things get brighter and better because I can tell you that a lot of times just the opposite happens. The minute you make a choice, I said earlier, you'll face some resistance. But let me tell you, God will never leave you nor forsake you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He will, thanks be to God, always leads me into triumph. There are days where I'm not triumphant, there are days where I am broken. There are days where I find I got misunderstandings. There are days where I'm getting hit with the accusations and the confusion of life. But I know that, you know what? This day shall pass. And he's leading me into triumph. Now I want to talk to you parents that have children. Many of you probably don't understand this. So I'm just going to give you a wonderful promise in a passage. We do not have to baptize our babies. We do not have to baptize our children that do not have a living, walking understanding that they are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. They're just growing up. They are sanctified, which means they are set apart and holy by one believing parent. By one believing parent. I'm going to read this passage and we're going to close. 2 Corinthians seven fourteen. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified. That is, he has received the blessings granted through his Christian wife. And the unbelieving wife is sanctified through her believing husband. Otherwise, your children would be ceremonially unclean, but as it is, they are holy. So, what, hap- what does this mean? That means that when we have, and we have an unbelieving spouse, someone who is not walking the faith, someone who is resistant to the faith, that that believing husband or that that believing wife That every time that they go home, every time they touch that pillow, every time that they pray, every time that they go over there and serve dinner, with the faith that's in Christ, with the faith that has in Christ, that that unbeliever is literally finding the space of belief inside that home in the spirit realm. Now, you can resist it. You can grieve it and quench it. Which means this, you can literally look at the symptoms, no different than sickness, you can look at the symptoms that they're not walking in faith. And you can literally react to the symptoms of the resistance to God and literally resist your prayers. Because see, we walk by faith and not by, is that just a passage or is that just a good feeling? We walk by faith and not by sight. My grandkids are sanctified set apart, holy unto God 
because of the believing parent. Your children, little Zoe, sanctified, set apart, holy unto God, until she comes to that space of time in her own life, whether it's maybe 9, 10, 11 years old, she's a pretty smart little kid, I don't know, she might get to a little earlier. Then I got some grandsons, not so quick. <laughs> so, <laughs> but doesn't matter, doesn't matter. Point is, one day all of a sudden that cross is going to get real to them. It's going to become a crossroad in their heart. And they go, Grandpa, Dad, Mom, I want to make that decision. Let's do it together. And then we, we're going to have that space of conversation because they're going to get, go through the baptism of change. No longer are they just set apart wholly unto God because of mom and dad. Now they're set apart, holy and sanctified because they made their own decision to follow Christ. Amen? That's why we have children's ministry. Help them get to that space. That's why we hired Jamie to get to that space. That's why we have a great youth pastor so that we can get to that space. That's why we have elders, and that's why we have staff. That's why we're asking you to help and assist so that we can corral them. We're like elephants, amen, corralling our babies, protecting them from a nasty lioness. That, you know what, I, I look at the devil, he's a lion, but he's toothless. He can roar all he wants, but there's no bite in him. Why? Because we're like elephants. We're surrounding them with the word of God, the promises of God, and we're surrounding them with the truth. The Holy Spirit is moving on account of those prayers. Our prayers are weighty in moving the kingdom of God because that's who our God is. And he's longing for us to partner with him. I, what I don't want to do, and I, I, I know God doesn't want I don't think God wants to be up there scratching his head going, why don't they understand all that I gave them? Father, thank you so much for this time and space we've had together. Lord, you're here in this house. And you are good all the time. And Father, I'm so sorry for those spaces of doubt that I've had. Those spaces of fear, concern, those spaces of, Lord God, of confusion in my own life. Lord, I pray you forgive me, you forgive us for those places. Knowing that you want us to trust you, lean not to our understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge you. And I thank you right now for who you are. I thank you that you're here, moving amongst us. If you're here this morning and you feel God all over your heart, pulling you in, and you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, or maybe you've wandered away, we're going to pray this prayer. All of us are going to pray this together, but make this prayer personal in your life. Make this decision to surrender and follow him. Pray this prayer with me right now. Say, Father God, in Jesus' name, I surrender. Lord Jesus, you paid the price that I couldn't pay. And I receive your forgiveness, your hope. I thank you for what you did on the cross for my sins. In Jesus' name, I receive it. Amen. Amen. Well, in um, closing here, right before worship, there's a family here that went through some trauma this week. 
And I'm so thankful that they reached out for help. And by the way, that, that's for you. Some of you out there that, you know, the Bible says call on the elders if you're going through it, trauma. And they'll pray. And so, elders, would you guys come on up here in a minute? And then um, I'm going to ask uh, for Nick and Kristen. I don't know where you are. And, and then I'm going to ask for mom and dad. They're not here in the front. Well, they said they're coming in the first service. Anyway, elders, sit down. <laughs> they told me they're coming in the first service. They're going to come in the second service. You know what? They got that prerogative. All right? Um, so in second service, we're going to be doing that. So just so you guys know, if you're, if you're ever going through, why are you doing it alone? Okay? We have more power and more anointing together to fight down and literally, literally to push back darkness. Stand up with me, would you? And let's worship God together. If you liked this message, we want you to share it. Subscribe to more podcasts through mylifechangechurch.tv. Get involved. Ask for prayer. Share your story. Go to mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer. We'll see you next week.